Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Unaddiction, the podcast. My name is Dr. Nzinga Harrison. I'm a board-certified psychiatrist with a specialty in addiction medicine and co-founder and chief medical officer of Eleanor Health. On this podcast, we explore the paths that can lead to addiction and the infinite paths that can lead to recovery. Our guests are sharing their own experiences, the tools that have helped them along the way, and the formulas that allow them to thrive in recovery one day at a time. I am so excited to tell you about my book, Unaddiction, Six Mind-Changing Conversations That Could Save a Life, is now available from Union Square and Company or wherever books are sold. Hey, this is Jada. I am the producer of Unaddiction Pod. And today we have Dave Mannheim of the Dopey Podcast. Shout outs to Dopey Nation. He is a good friend of the pod. He and Nzinga go way, way back. And I love this conversation so much because you can totally feel the love. And as Dave will let you know in just a few minutes, he is just a big old softy. So I really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. That being said, just giving you a little bit of a warning that there's some F-bombs and S-bombs being dropped in today's episode. So uh, continue with care. Oh, wait, I have to go get my dopey hot hat for the um, clips. Hold on, hold on. Nice. Yes, I have to rep. Yes. First of all, it is like impossible to keep my kids from stealing. Nice. My dopey hat. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. I'm sure you could. I could, but you know. Yeah. All right. So first of all, I'm going to complain about myself because why was Dave Mannheim not the first person I thought about to come on the show when I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. I don't know. It's a deep, that's a deep (laughs) question. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to ask you that. I I was thinking, should I, should I start with that question? Yes. You should just start with that with some empathic confrontation. Well, it was more like, so Dr. Harrison, what was it about me that made no. me not seem, is that not, that's too confrontational? What's <laughs> no, that's not, you can ask that question. I'm just saying it was not anything about you. No, I, I listen, I, I see the, the Unaddiction podcast popping up all over the place. Oh, I, good. See, I, I see a bunch of people on it. And then when I saw Aaron Carr before me, I was oh. like, wait, I was like, wait a second. This is, I mean, I can accept the other people, but- <laughs> I mean, me and, well, it's nothing against Aaron. Aaron and I are very close. Uh-huh. But then I, but then I was like, I don't know. I felt a kind of way that you went Aaron before me. I know I'm a very petty person. I can accept that. <laughs> but is, and then it, was, is that when you texted me when you heard Aaron's? So first of all, let me turn this back around on you. Before you heard Aaron Carr on the pa- on the pod, you had yeah. no desire to come on. But then you I heard know. Aaron and you were like, no. oh, let me text Nzinga immediately. No, no, no. I, I was respectfully <laughs> distant until I saw Aaron. And then I was like, I was like, what? Can I curse on this show? 
Uh, yeah, you can curse. Jada, Jada will make me give a, a language. I, I'm not going to curse. I'm going to say, what, what the F? Oh, that was how good. could, that was how could it, how could, how could it possibly, I just, I was just like, as they say, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, no, I was like, I can accept this, 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 and this. And then it was this. And I was like, no. But so for me, once you text me, it was purely how was Dave not the first or one of the first people that I called? And what did you come up with? I didn't come up with anything, honestly. Um, mm. Can I give you with, can I hit you with the Jewish guilt? Yeah, hit me, even though. After all these years, <laughs> after all the shows, the hats, the socks. Oh, the hats uh, and the socks. I know, I know. So, okay, here we are. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so, so happy to have you. So we go way back. You can tell by this, um, this, deep I love. call it, yeah, deep love, playful banner, love. all of those sort of things. We go way back all the way to in recovery with Dr. Harrison. You helped me cut my teeth on podcasting. So I'm super excited to have you here. Okay. The Unaddiction podcast, we started it to bring awareness to the book. Did you get your book? I got the book. I, no, not did you buy a book? Did you get the book that I sent you? I got the book. I have it. You, I got it. It arrived. It's downstairs. Okay, great. Did you see my message to you on the inside? I didn't see them. No, I, got, I didn't I see it. To I, put, I meant to put a sticky note so that you would know that I actually signed your book and wrote a, a thoughtful personal message. Should I run and get it and read it? Yeah. Hold on. Give me one second. Okay. Oh, Jada said, Dave, you absolutely can curse. She said, do not censor you. Okay. The best shows, the, the producer is a, is a character, a minor character. He's holding the book. He's showing it to me. First it of all, smells, there it is. It smells delicious. It smells Thank like you. that new book smell. Amazing. Really, and I am really. also taking note that, in fact, there is a sticky note. There is a sticky <laughs> note. But I'll tell you, it's like I got so the book. So this means you have not actually opened the book at all. I, I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> I I put it I put it on the table and my lovely wife like I, I have lots of weird addiction books, mm-hmm. obviously, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like like I have some book like called Dry Humping about like sex, like sober sex. Yeah. I have like weird addiction books lying yeah. around. And my wife gets nervous that our kids are going to look at the addiction books. Mm-hmm. I didn't think unaddiction, this beautiful book would be bad for the six mind changing conversations that could change. Yeah. I, I said, she said, well, don't you think it's inappropriate? I said, no, it's Dr. That's in the singer's book. Yeah. But she, she stuck it under the table. So I never got to see it. I and I'm going to read this deep note. I was expecting it's some not treatise. Deep. It's, it's not Dave, a treatise. It's you not know, deep. you know, the love runs so deep toodles in Zinga. I love it. Oh. Thank you. I love it. The Thank love runs much. deep. And so Toodles was obviously for Chris. So why don't we jump in, Dave? Will you, although I feel like you um, have such a big voice in the recovery community, a lot of people have probably heard your voice and know who you are. But the purpose of this podcast is that we know there are an infinite number of paths to addiction. We know there are an infinite number of paths to recovery. Everybody's path is different. And so I'm just like talking to people who have had their journey so you can share what your formula is Mm. today, what it has been, what it was when you got started in case somebody thinks I might try a piece of that formula. So will you just tell us who you are and whatever you want us to know and then start talking to us about your journey? Sure. My name is uh, David and I am a drug addict and I'm a podcaster and I I work in a restaurant and um, I was you know, I was on heroin and methadone and Xanax and I was on weed from probably 93 to 2015 straight. Which you, you know, would have been how old in 93? How young? I, I was uh, 19. Mm-hmm. So I, I smoked pot every day from mm-hmm. 19 to 41 unless I was in jail or detox or mm-hmm. rehab. I got into kind of rock and roll culture um, around the same time I was a musician and I wanted to be like my heroes. And I also really liked the mix of drugs and Mm -hmm. music and, and that culture. I enjoyed it. 
and I got into psychedelics. Um, but it was also scary. So I didn't get crazy into psychedelics. Mm. I just, I took them enough. I mean, I, I, I had a few trips that weren't fantastic, but I never swore it off. And I just, I kind of tripped and, and smoked weed until, I don't know, like I, I had a girlfriend who who wanted to do coke and we wound up doing some coke and, and coke never mixed with my, with my um, brain chemistry properly mm-hmm. at all. And I would do it, but it didn't make me feel good. It would make me uncomfortable. But what I noticed was that they would often take benzos to come off of the Coke and the benzos really mix good with my brain chemistry and the weed, like the weed was ideal for my brain chemistry. I was like the kind of like, I was born to be a stoner. I was born to, it relaxed me. It didn't make me feel paranoid. Mm -hmm. It it softened everything. It made things Mm -hmm. taste good. It made things easy for me because I was such a neurotic mm-hmm. Jew. You know what I mean? I just grew up this ridiculous, neurotic New York City Jew and um, so afraid of what people thought of me. Mm-hmm. So afraid of like, how did I look in this situation? And I never like did anything about it. I just worried about it. You know, yeah. I wasn't like, I didn't like do anything to make myself better. I just worried about it until I found weed. And then I was like, oh, weed solves this problem. Mm-hmm. And and then I just smoked weed and, and I, you know, I would, I would try whatever came my way. And uh, I, like, I loved ecstasy and I loved acid and I loved mushrooms. And then I didn't like Coke, but I loved benzos. And, um, and then I tried heroin in college and um, I liked and how just it like felt. like at a party with some people, no big deal. No, no, we didn't. I wasn't a partier. Mm. Like I was the kind of drug addict, uh, drug user that loved to get high in my room. Mm-hmm. I like to get high in my room with my friends or like one friend mm-hmm. or two friends. Mm-hmm. And we were like losers, you know, we'd listen to music or play video games or play music and we would just stay or watch TV. You know what I mean? Like we weren't like partiers. We were like losers you had <laughs> in a, a room. You had a small intimate pack. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. That's just how I, how mm-hmm. I relate. Mm-hmm. And I tried heroin. I was in art school. There was like my roommate, was from upstate New York. And one of his childhood friends was in a band that was pretty successful and he had become a heroin addict Mm. and he, but he didn't, he wasn't like an ugly heroin addict. He was like a beautiful young heroin addict (laughs) who didn't know that it was a a problem yet. You know, the problem wasn't real. Right. And we were like, should we try it? And I was like, yeah, let's, I mean, we do everything else. Let's try it. And, um, and I didn't, I liked how it felt for a second. And then I got really nauseous, like really sick vomited immediately maybe like 15 minutes in yeah and i and at the end of it i was like i don't want to do that like i I like smoking pot i like being like hungry and and it being gentle and not worrying about anything um so i put it aside and then i like did a million weird jobs and i settled into television production and i excelled at it and um after like a couple of years, I was, I was a host on TV and I was uh, producing TV shows. I was, I was mm-hmm. associate producing. And then I, I pitched a music show that I got to do and I was the host of the show. What and show in my, is this? How is this the was, first time I'm hearing of this show? Can I, don't I go know. find archives? Just on YouTube. It was bullshit. It was a bullshit tiny show that was, it was, it was owned by Lauren Michaels who ran Saturday yeah. Night Live. And it was, it was before YouTube. So it was uh-huh. like 98, 97, uh-huh. 99. It was in that period. And they would distribute this network to college campuses around the country oh, wow. by VHS tape. Wow. Okay? So <laughs> this you get you, this you know is what I'm saying? an amazing story. Okay, go ahead. And I was a, a production assistant. And I was... I mean, also when I was in high school, I was on MTV. Like I was actually on MTV. I was an intern at MTV and I wound up on MTV in high school. And I was like, I could be a TV star, you know? And that's what I wanted to be. When I was a kid, I wanted to be um, a talk show host. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So when I settled in at this place, I was a production assistant and they thought I was funny. So they let me start hosting segments. And then I pitched a show idea they had a music video show and they didn't like the way it was being run. And I was like, I could do that. And they were like, okay. And then I looked in the box of videos and the first video I found was uh, KRS one 
uh, it was a KRS One video, and I look and I was a huge music person. And in back in the day in New York City, if you looked at the Village Voice, you saw the shows. I mean, you go right to the shows, and and I see at Tramps. KRS One is playing, and I was mm-hmm. like, and I ha- and now I have this TV show where I'm showing this KRS One video, and I was like, why don't we go see if we can interview KRS One? So I contact his people. I had some book, and I found a way to contact his people, and they were like, yeah, come down. So we went to Tramps, and I interviewed KRS One, and we shot the show, and they were like, you don't need to do the music video show; you could do whatever show you want. So we created this because music. It was so ma- good. It was good and it was fun and it mm-hmm. was like it was like the idea it was going to be a music magazine show and I was going to cover whatever acts I could get a hold of and since we were in New York and it was a time where like tons of opportunity we could do it and um they gave me a contract and at the time I was like 23 years old and it was it was and I lived in public housing I I didn't need a lot of money mm-hmm. and they gave me a bunch of money and at the same time I was living with this kid that I had gone to college with that I had done a ton of drugs with and um, he was he was delivering weed on his bike, and he would get coke all the time, and we would do coke. And I went on a job for that for that production company. And when I came home, the kid was in my living room with like five other kids from my college buying coke from this delivery guy, mm-hmm. and and me being like this savvy New Yorker, I was like you're making all this money in my apartment. What are you going to give me? And mm-hmm. he takes out two bags of heroin and Oof. he throws it down on our coffee table. And me and my friend Todd sniffed the heroin and um, got high and didn't get nauseous. And I felt yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. I felt amazing. And I, and, and then the next morning I was still high and I felt mm-hmm. even better. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and it was like, it was like what I wanted my life to look like is how I felt yeah. when um, I woke up and I had this job. I had this contract. I was making money and in my, and it wasn't a lot of money, but it was like as a 23 year old who never had any money, I was like, and this is how stupid I was. I mean, all of my heroes were multimillionaires who became heroin addicts that couldn't handle heroin. And I'm fucking 23 making like 90 grand. And I'm like, I can do it. And I, and I remember I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm not because I would, I would find myself using here and there. And then I would feel a little shitty and I would be like, I can't use it. I'd I'd spread it out. Mm -hmm. And then when I got that contract, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I just like, and I also like, liked the romance of being this TV producer, TV host doing heroin. I liked the, the, it was pathetic, but I liked the romance. Mm. Um, I became addicted really quickly. Um, and really quickly, like put a time frame on that for us. What's really quickly. I mean, we were fucking around with it for half a year, yeah. but then, but then I, I'm like one of the people and I know how you like to pronounce, uh, literally how do you say it again literally literally <laughs> you i think i think you said it in a different literally. way back in the, literally <laughs> uh, i literally um decided that i was gonna do it every day i like mm. decided oh wow and, like i was like i'm in i want to feel like this every day and i want to really not give a fuck mm. i want to be like a t i want to be like i'm cool like i'm I'm like cool TV producer because I'm a very mm-hmm. soft person. Like I'm a very soft person, I'm a very sensitive person, and like, I mean, I am. What is no, it? that's a compliment. I love okay. it about you. I'm very soft and I'm very yeah, sensitive. genuine and caring and sensitive. But I wanted to be harder, and I yeah, wanted you wanted to, to not- be like the in the movies music producer. Something, you know, I had yeah. some kind of romantic mm-hmm. idea that I wasn't a good. I wasn't good. You know, the way I was, wasn't good. Wasn't the, yeah. Right. And heroin, like, and it's funny because a little bit of heroin, you don't go bananas, but once you're doing a lot of heroin, mm-hmm. your personality really changes mm-hmm. and you become insufferable, unreliable, mm-hmm. pathetic, you know, and, and I loved making my show, but within a year, I, I signed a three year deal. I don't think I made it. I think I made it halfway through the second year. Wow. Um, and I checked into a detox and I had this decision to make. Was I going to tell the company or was I going to tell my parents? Mm. And I decided to tell my parents. Mm. I don't know why. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the company fired me because I was in breach of contract. But if I had told the company, they would have had to send me someplace nice. So that's one of the decisions over my life that I've been like, why did I do that? Yeah, um, why and do from you there, think? I don't know. Like, I just thought I was getting away with it. I don't know. Like, I don't know what my logic was. I do know I was 24 years old. My parents were, you know, 60 year old Jewish school teachers who were at the theater that night Mm. and they wound up coming directly from the theater to the public detox on 14th street in Beth Israel. And my mother was wearing like a silk scarf and smelled of perfume and I'm fucking in the hospital shit. And like my parents had no idea like, cause they really like didn't. They were even they, using heroin at all. They had no idea. Yeah. And, um, and I remember very well, like they were aghast, but I remember talking to the counselor and she was, and she said exactly the wrong thing to me. She said, you're young. Uh, you can get past this. You'll be mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And to me that said, go home and use heroin immediately, which I did. Oh, and, yeah. and like, and, and this is the preamble to a 15 year drug addiction, you know, and and that was the best it was. And from there, like it was just one bottom after another. I went Mm. to Florida. I lost my, I mean, I I, I grew up in public housing in New York city. Uh, My mother put me on a list to get a cheap apartment when I was 11. Mm. I got it when I was 22 wow. and I, and I lost Lost it it. when I was 26 and, uh, and it was $300 a month. Whoa. I know. So that was the second big regret. But from there, like I moved to LA, I started doing meth, uh, all the, all the while, like bopping between methadone clinics and just like, you know, losing my life, you know, Mm -hmm. basically one, one detox to the next one Mm -hmm. rehab to the next with stretches of using whatever I could afford. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things one of the things we talk about in the book, Dave, is you don't know what rock bottom is until you hit the the ultimate rock bottom, which is dead. And so like you said just now, like just hitting rock bottom after rock bottom after rock bottom. A young twenty-three year old, like, were you shocked how bad it could get? And I think this is the worst, and then it can get worse. Worst. Worse. 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 Um, Thank you. Thank you for I think <laughs> I'm always here for you. I I think like I knew I, I like I was at an AA meeting this morning and I was sharing about this. Like mm. I'm a bougie heroin addict. You know what I mean? Like I I think like I wouldn't have survived with it. I wouldn't have been. I I would have gotten sober if someone like took away my cable TV. Like mm. I needed cable like and and snacks to really enjoy heroin. Like I needed cigarettes. I needed like oatmeal cream pies. I needed fucking cable. Like I I would have gotten sober. I I would have gotten sober so much earlier, but I had a lot of people supporting my addiction Mm -hmm. along the way. And um, so for me, it was like, I mean, like the first, I mean, like I, I, the thing I'm not talking about was I, I, I suffered seizures, many, many, many grand mal mm. seizures before I even left New York, mm. before I went to Florida, mm-hmm. because I was so addicted to benzos and I would stop taking them. I, I had seizures where I, I fell out of my loft bed onto a glass bong, cut up all over. The cops had to drag me out of my apartment. I'm like holding the doors so they won't take me out. Oh, God. Like waking up in a hospital, like just like over and over. Like I had seizures on a plane. I had seizures in detox. I had Mm. seizures in rehab. I had Mm. seizures at work. Mm -hmm. So like that was like not good. You know what I mean? As four bottoms. Then I lost this apartment that I kind of planned on living in that neighborhood my whole life. You know, my dad still lives there. It's it's like beautiful over there. Mm. So I lost that. I lost my career, Mm -hmm. you know, and I always thought I could get it back. Um, and I always thought that I, I was the person who thought I could get away with shit. I like, I wanted to be Ferris Bueller as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, and I could charm my way through shit and con my way through shit and lie my way through shit. Um, but that wasn't really true. Mm -hmm. You know, like once I lost the TV gig, nothing ever happened again for me until I was sober. Like I didn't, I mean, I popped up with a TV job. I moved to Los Angeles, became a meth addict, got a TV job there. I was, I, I was such a bad junkie in LA that I had this TV job. There was a bathroom we, we all used and I kept, th- there was a, like a drawer in the bathroom mm-hmm. that I just kept needles in. 
And I didn't tell anybody. I had like a box. And I just, in comic books. That's how pathetic. That's what a child I was. I had a a tissue box full of needles next to a stack of comic books Mm. in a public bathroom where Mm. I worked. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know how I was. That's how I, I mean, and I think I'm similar to that now sober. Like I'm a little, I don't give a fuck. I like doing dumb shit. I think it's funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it wasn't funny. And it was, um, it was sad. And um, I was enabled and I took advantage of every person I could. And I lied and I stole and, um, and I used. And then what was the turning point? Turning point was, uh, I was on 150 milligrams of methadone and, 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 and a shit ton of clonopin. still addicted to still smoke, worked at a weed dispensary. They paid me in weed. Somehow I was the security to guard at a weed dispensary in California and they paid me in weed. First of all, that um, was definitely during the time that it was only medical marijuana that was yes. legal. So paying someone in marijuana was definitely not part of the plan. But well, anyway, how about hiring ahead. me? How about hiring me as a security? In the first guard? place, like, yeah. What, like what kind of business plan is this? This soft, not junky. <laughs> you know, like it's not. not I'm not the ideal security force for them. Um, it all went down. Or, or you were, but go ahead. That's well, a, I don't that's think I, a hole I won't take us down. Go ahead. I don't I don't think I could be a really effective security guard, you know, eight and a half years sober either. Like I don't think I'm that's not my thing. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm on 150 milligrams of methadone, mm-hmm. you know, like eating like 10, like 20 milligrams of, of, of clonopin a day, like just eating it. Um Living like doing as much heroin as I could afford, which was very little at the time, smoking as much weed as we would get. Mm-hmm. And um, and my mom called me up and she uh, had gotten um, diagnosed with leukemia mm-hmm. and she told me uh, she thought she was going to die. And I was very much like, I can't stay here like yeah. this. Yep. So I went to the methadone clinic and I said, I need to detox. And they offered me a blind detox where they, they, they wean me off methadone for a year mm-hmm. without telling me my doses. Dose. And I, I, I wasn't clean. You know, I was using the whole time. And when, when I, I said, tell me when I get to 30, they told me when I got to 30 and um, I went to detox and um, and I got kicked out of detox. They they were using heroin and detox, and like I I was on naltrexone and uh, yeah. some like it was crazy. Like I'm on I'm on naltrexone in detox, 
you know, public detox. Like the guy who slept next to me had been an Alaskan crab fisherman. And he was also a drug dealer in downtown LA that I used to buy Klonopin from. And he had a tattoo on his hand that said, pay here. And he had gotten in his crab fisherman days. And like, he would give me Saraquil and I would give him cigarettes. And we were both on naltrexone. And, um, some Armenian kid comes in and, and like somebody smuggles him some, some tar heroin. Right. Everyone in the place uses it. Yeah. Even and like somebody busts a syringe out of like the post in the bed oh, in the detox. I wasn't going to start sharing syringes at that point, but I put it up my nose, even though I was blocked, mm-hmm. I get kicked out mm-hmm. totally sick. Um, and I move and I, the next day me and my girlfriend move to Vermont. Um, from California because my parents had a house upstate and I knew I could see my mom. And um, when I got there, my mom was like, I'm going to die soon. Mm -hmm. And I was off of methadone. I was still smoking weed. I got a job, um, got a job in a deli. I left, left my girlfriend, left Vermont, got a job in a deli, um, kept smoking weed. My mom died, Mm -hmm. uh, met this other woman, started dating her, knocked her up. She gets pregnant. I'm not, I'm just smoking weed and I relapse and and my mom dies Mm -hmm. right, right in there. And, um, and then I start relapsing on heroin again and, uh, and using like, and using more maybe than I ever had because I had more money than I ever had waiting tables. And And you have more grief than you ever had with your mom just died. And this baby, like pressure coming. Yeah. Pressure, pressure, pressure. And I, I was just literally off the wall, mm. like total insanity. And this is what year by now? 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm working in this deli and I'm using $300 a day mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm, I'm taking benzos and I'm smoking weed and I'm shooting dope and I'm, 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 I'm and I have this kid, you know, and my wife finds out we, we never got married and she leaves me. You know, and then my addiction gets much worse Mm. and I'm alone and just sad and Mm -hmm. like pathetic. And, um, but still like I wanted to get away with it. Like I didn't want to get sober. Mm -hmm. I mean, so where are the bottoms everywhere? My mother's dead. My, 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 my baby's gone. I'm a child. I'm living in a subletted apartment in Manhattan working as a waiter. It was crazy. Uh, and then I think I, I got high. I literally or literally walked into a wall, broke my nose, and I called my daughter's mother and I was like, I need help. Mm-hmm. And she helped me find a spot to go to. And I went to this spot in Canaan, Connecticut called Mountainside. Uh, and that's where I met Chris. Mm. And uh, and I got sober. I got sober for a year. And then I started smoking weed again. Mm-hmm. and taking pills again and trying to work it out with uh, my daughter's mother and trying to get my family back together. And I never could. And um, and then she's like, you know what? Let's go on vacation together. And I was like, okay. And me, Linda, and our daughter, Nora, go on a trip to a, an amusement park in Pennsylvania. And, and Linda takes a little bit of Xanax to help her sleep. And I knew that. And I steal all of it. Mm-hmm. And she goes crazy mm-hmm. and she goes now she's like, we're not getting back together. You're losing custody. And I'm just like demoralized mm-hmm. at that. And mm-hmm. I found myself in my kitchen, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, writing this letter to my daughter's mother saying, I can be a good father. I can be a good partner. Just let me smoke weed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I see my hands writing this email and I'm just like, I'm like, I, I, this is ridiculous. You know, I was 41. Uh, I was living in the subletted apartment, working as a waiter. And I was like, I, I, I have to consider something else. Mm-hmm. And the next morning uh, I found a meeting. I went to the meeting and there was a kid there and he was celebrating 10 years and he was mm-hmm. like a good looking kid, like tattoos and he looked like he had his shit together and i'm such a jerk off at the end of the meeting i wanted to go up to him to tell him how annoying i thought it was that he was young and got 10 years (laughs) i thought that was funny you know and i went up to him and i and I, i i before i could even get anything out of my mouth he said how much time do you have and i said i don't have any time and he goes well did you use today and i said no and he goes oh so maybe today is going to be your first day 
And I was like, that's, that's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, I'm going to make today my first day. And I, and I called my best friend and I had weed in my, I had like a stoner's paradise in my apartment and I gave all my weed to my best friend mm. and I gave all the edibles to the guys I worked with at, at, the, deli. at the deli. And, um, and the next morning I found another meeting that was seven 30 in the morning and I went there and the guy, and I told the story of how obsessed I was with getting my family back. And mm. I had heard that uh, the obsession could be lifted. I mean, it was always the obsession to drink could be lifted. The obsession to use could be, lifted. but I heard obsession and I was obsessed with fucking up the situation with my beautiful daughter and my beautiful uh, daughter's mother. And I was just like, I'm down. And I told the story and a guy in the meeting said, uh, we'd love it if you came back tomorrow. And uh, I said, okay. And it turned out it was a seven day a week meeting, mm-hmm. 7.30 in the morning. And then the next thing I heard was rarely have we seen someone thoroughly follow this path and not achieve these results. And I had never thoroughly followed any path besides mm-hmm. using, and I was fucking desperate as fuck, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I did it. Like I did it full on. I did 90 meetings in 90 days. I spoke at 90 meetings. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was just in and it all worked. And and at the same time, uh, I was talking to my friend Chris because he had just gotten sober. He had, he had pulled it off. He was a horrible drug addict. And, um, and he had gotten a year and a half through AA. And I started talking to him very often. And when I was working at this deli, I had made this web series called The Last Jewish Waiter, which mm-hmm. was the it was a video about a waiter who hates waiting tables and he wants to have a talk show. So he does a talk show while he waits tables. Mm-hmm. And it got like a bunch of press and people liked it. And Chris was like, I want to do something like that. And I was like, well, we can do a podcast. And he goes, what's a podcast? And I was like, I'm not <laughs> sure. I think it's like a radio show. And he came down to my apartment and um, I was like, it's just going to be war stories. And and I was like, it's just going to be war stories and we're going to call it war stories. Mm. And um, Oh, and and so it was first called war stories? Yeah, well, it was supposed to be. But then we looked up war stories and there was a podcast like about actual war stories. stories. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and then like, uh, I, I mean, we were trying to figure out what to call it and you know, I lived on the Lower East Side, and every day I would walk on Clinton Street in Manhattan. And there, one day I walked past some kid, and he's wearing a black hat with these gold, like actual gold, you know, like metal oh. letters on his uh-huh. hat uh-huh. that said "dope." And I was like, and I thought of my my grandfather, and I imagined my grandfather looking at this kid, and he'd be like, "Who's this fucking dope?" And then I just mm-hmm. thought about like dope, like. You know, when I, I grew up in the 90s and the word dope meant cool. Good, and I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. And then, but then I also like hippies calling weed dope. And then I like my grandpa calling idiots dopes, <laughs> you know? And I was like, why don't we call? And then Chris goes, we should call it uh, two dopes talking about dope. And I said, no, let's just call it dopey. And that's, that's when it all started. Yeah. So I mean, you, that's a long-winded story. No, Dr. it was Harrison. a beautiful story. I love it. First of all, you cracked me up calling me Dr. Harrison when we got like back. It feels, I know it you feels good. It. I'm enjoying it. I know you love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying that. David, David Mannheim. Um, yeah. I won't get too psychiatric, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the first time you were in detox, you called your parents, your mom. And Break I don't it down. think it's a coincidence that um, when your mom called you, that was the first first kind of like earnest, I'm going to come back and try this, even though it didn't work quote that time. Um, And then that it was family again, that brought you to the meetings that ultimately started your sobriety journey. So like, we're always asking people to look for what is that thing that's bigger than you? That's like more important to you than yourself. And over and over and over in your story, it sounds like you believed it was your career, but it sounds like it actually is your family. Right. I mean, in the end, it, was, it wasn't it was my daughter as much as like I couldn't handle not being able to be there yeah. for her. Yeah. Like, like, I, I, like in the end, like- You wanted more from yourself. I wanted more from myself. My dad, my dad would have to drive me to my visitation and like everyone would talk to him 
about my custody. And it was so demoralizing. But it was also like very fitting because I hadn't been a responsible adult at a moment of my life. Yeah. And 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 I and it was in the end, it was like I just I, I want to show up for this kid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that was, I mean, I wanted to show up for my mom. Like me and my mom, like had a, not a good relationship because I was a, a, a drug addict for mm-hmm. so long. And before that I was just such a defiant person. Like she would, and she was such a controlling Jewish mother. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I like we had problems. So when I found out she was dying, I was like something inside me said, I got to go home, mm-hmm. which was deep. And then, when I recognized that I couldn't take care of my child and my parents took care of me, that was, so yeah, I agree with you. Family yeah. was the thing. Yeah. And so then it was a kernel of hope from this good looking tattooed young kid with 10 years that said, maybe today will be your first day. And then it was warm arms of compassion at the next meeting where they said, we hope you'll come back. Yeah. And that started your 90 days, 90 meetings in 90 days was the beginning of your formula. So what's your formula today? Well, I mean, we started making dopey when, when I had six months sober Yeah. and, uh, and now I have eight years and six months, you mm-hmm. know, basically, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still making the show. Mm-hmm. So I think dopey is a, it's a, you know, I, I always say that dopey isn't a part of my recovery. Um, because I also say dopey doesn't help people. Like I, I say a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as but, long as uh, you know, I mean, that's the first step, right? My recipe is, I mean, number one is 12 step, you know, like, and I never wanted that. I would much rather be like some, some like, you know, Buddhist, you know, some like Buddhist intellectual, <laughs> but I, I needed, I needed, I mean, I needed 12 step and it, and it, it totally saved my life and um, and really participating in it mm-hmm. saved my life mm-hmm. and doing every bit of it, like drinking the Kool-Aid um, because the greatest thing about 12 step is at its core is that love and tolerance is the code. Yeah. And if love and tolerance is the code, what can go wrong really? Mm-hmm. You know, and if, and, and the promises, if it says we have ceased fighting, love and tolerance is the code the goal is to be happy, joyous, and free. Uh, and the only way you can get there is by being honest, open-minded, and willing. I mm. found that all of those things were what I wanted in my life. Mm-hmm. So it set up exactly, I never, but I didn't want to be a member of fucking Alcoholics Anonymous. Like I didn't want it, but I didn't want to be a member of Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous. I wasn't even, I didn't even drink. But when I heard like, what are you willing to do? I was willing to say I'm an alcoholic. Like, who mm-hmm. cares? You know what I mean? Like, and Chris was always like, "You're an alcoholic anyway, even if you didn't drink." Um, and like, that's a, a whole other debate. But I, every morning, I say I'm an alcoholic. You know, and I don't care because it saved my life. Mm-hmm. It's like these are the moments. Like, like I'm very interested in what you're talking about. A thousand ways in, a thousand infinite ways in, infinite ways yeah. out. We've talked about that for years. Yeah. And and um, I needed this way. You know, and, and I was talking to a friend just now. It's like so many people can't get sober because God disgusts mm. them, scares them, mm. you know, it, it doesn't resonate with them. And they're not willing to say, I'm an alcoholic. And like, so it's like, I want to offer, you know, like you do, I want to offer other paths. Yeah. But it's like, is, is, I think for me, the magic was the willingness, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, it was like, what are you willing to do? I'm willing to do that. And then I'm doing it. Like I'm willing to make a decision to do that. Then I'm doing it. And then like, it's like, like, it's like, Mm -hmm. that's the secret sauce. That's Mm -hmm. the magic. Like if you ever processed it, Dave, tell me the code again, which code? Oh, love and tolerance, love and tolerance. I think no matter. Yeah. I think no matter what path kind of just innately, neurologically as pack animals and human beings, love and tolerance has to be the code of the path. Right. And so isn't it amazing? It's like, people don't fucking talk about that at all. It's mm -hmm. like, they talk about 12 step, but you don't hear everybody being like love and tolerance is the right. Right. Literally applies to every thing in life that ails us. IMO in my opinion. IMO in, case, as well. in case you didn't know what IMO was. IMOAW. 
wait, but in my opinion as well. Aha! Boom. Yeah, there it is. The, but, the neurons were slow to fire, but they came. They came to the party. Listen, I, I mean, I, I, it's, I love love intolerance. Like, I think it's just the best, you know, it's like, I, cause, cause like I'm personally like bursting with love all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and like, and when I'm not like, there's a problem, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So you have to figure out how to tap into it. And That's like, right. And, and, and even if you don't love somebody, how do you find love in the situation? Mm-hmm. And then if you can't, it's like, and that's where surrender comes in. You know what I mean? That's where surrender, that's where higher power. Like I didn't, I mean, my dad, when I told my dad I was doing AA and talked about higher power and stuff, my dad was, uh, he called himself an Orthodox atheist. You know, he grew up in an hmm. Orthodox Jewish home. Uh, he was big in synagogue. Hmm. And then he got really into science and evolution. And when he found out the two didn't really coexist, he chose science. Hmm. And he, now he like hates religion. And things like my dad, I mean, my dad is a very loving person, but I can imagine like I, he would never wear a shirt that said God is for suckers, but I think in his head, (laughs) he might think God is for suckers. And, and I think for a multitude of reasons, he didn't need it. Number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, he hates the idea of religion, keeping people apart. So it's like, I get that for me, God is, I mean, there's a passage in, in, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that says God is everything or God is nothing. And I always took it as a very snarky thing. Like either you put God in front of everything or you don't have God at all. Mm -hmm. But then I came to this other interpretation of it, which is just that God is everything. And I can relate to that. God is everywhere. God is the universe. Mm -hmm. And it's not Mm -hmm. Jesus and it's not Mm -hmm. Allah and it's not Buddha and it's not Mm -hmm. Yahweh or whatever we want to call it. It's Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And I, and I can like from my psychedelic days or from my love of music or from my, like the fact that we can relate or have love. We only met once in person, but we read deep love. Right, We had deep love before we even met because we only just recently met. A couple of months ago, but we go back years. Exactly. But but yeah. the fact that we can experience love, I and I sound like a weirdo, but like that's God no, to me. I you think know, you like, sound spot on. But maybe right, we're good. just maybe we're just in the same weirdo club. Definitely. Yeah. It's not and and you know, I, I feel I feel I feel excited that you're in my club, but I feel sad for you that you have to have me <laughs> in yours. <laughs> okay, listen, this time flew too fast. Um, but we're at the top or the bottom, whatever you want to call it. So this is the last question I ask everybody, Dave. Mm-hmm. We made up this word on addiction. Yeah, I like it. Thanks. Unlearn what you think you know about addiction. Undo the stigma that's killing people. Uncover the conversations we need to be having. So if you wanted to leave us with, with one thing that we need to unlearn or one stigma we need to undo or one conversation we need to uncover, what would it be? Mm, that's a hard question. Yeah. Sometimes I give a heads up at the beginning of the Yeah, um, that would have that would have been that would have been useful. But I was being You said harassed. you wanted to find your dopey hat. I was being in. harassed at the beginning of this episode, then I had to get my dopey hat, and then you know, there were a lot of So what are my choices? What do I want to uncover? What's one unlearn? thing you want people to unlearn? Yeah. What's one stigma you want people to undo or once one conversation you want people to uncover? You only have to come up with one, not one each. I, 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 it's all love. You know what I mean? Like I want people to uncover love in every situation. Yeah. I want them to undo bullshit, hate, and like mm-hmm. just like being nasty and like mm-hmm. just like there's no – life is short. You know what I mean? Find something you like and stick with it you know, and, and try, I mean, that's the answer for recovery. That's it. You, I mean, like beyond everything else, you find something you like and don't stop doing it mm-hmm. and then don't use. Mm-hmm. But I, I would just, you know, I, I'm sticking with, uh, with love, you know, where can you find it? Uncover the love, discover the love, unlearn the hate. What was the other one? Undo. Undo the bullshit. Just stick with okay. the good stuff. Yeah. Yes. That is the dopey version of unaddiction. Wait, Unlearn the hate, undo the bullshit, uncover the love. There you go. Uh, do you have a Mac? Will it let you do this? I don't know. I have a Mac, but I don't know if my hands can, can do that. It's not giving me love. 
<laughs> fucking bullshit. I think this computer is anti-Semitic. It's not giving me fucking love. What the fuck? What are you going to do? Dave, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Harris. I'm coming to New York again soon. We'll get together. Yeah, I'll read the book and you can come back on the old Dopey Show. Yes, boom. Killer. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you like this episode, please check out my book, Unaddiction, Six Mind-Changing Conversations That Could Save a Life. Available at Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, Union Square & Company, Amazon, and wherever books are sold. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone you think may need to hear it. Also, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review. That helps us reach any and everyone who may be looking for support in the face of addiction. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.